Hello, listeners. Happy Star Wars Day. It is May the 4th. Welcome to the first installment of Dinner with Nate's four-part Star Wars celebration. Starting today, my guests and I will be covering a Star Wars movie and a recipe from the Star Wars Black Spire cookbook. Uh, joining me on this trip to a galaxy far, far away today is a previous guest on Dinner with Nate, uh, Aaron Hankin. You can hear his soothing voice on WYPR in Baltimore, as well as on the Laugh Finder podcast. Today, we will be discussing everyone's favorite Star Wars movie, Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, and we're eating Nerf kebabs. Hi, Aaron. Hey, what's up? Nate, I thank you for uh, having me back on the podcast. I do not thank you for making me watch this movie. I'm going to start you off. I, you know, I wrote a little review of the movie, and as I am prone to do once in a while, I, I set it to verse, and I got a beat I'm going to drop for you here. Here's my uh, recap of Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. Here we go. You hear the beat coming through? Mm-hmm. All right. This is free beats off of uh, YouTube, my favorite channel. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> uh. Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. I'd have more fun playing a game of table tennis. Opening credits give you such high hopes, but that's when Lucas hits you with the fucking rope and dope. Eleven minutes in, you just can't win. There's Jar Jar Binks like a punch to the chin. Misa acting a fool. Misa fucking up the show. Misa here to tell you this a movie gonna blow. Trade Federation puts the pinch on Naboo. Two Jedi's show up like what the fuck you gonna do? Qui Gon and Obi Wan. Got the force, and the moviegoers got a case of buyer's remorse. It's off to Tatooine, the desert planet, for Anakin Skywalker's pod racing antics. Casting this kid was a serious blunder. I seen better acting on the TV show Small Wonder. Anyway, Darth Maul hits the scene with a double-aid lightsaber slicing machine. He's got a big hard-on for Qui-Gon Jinn, and spoiler alert, he eventually does him in. So there, that's everything you need to know. Respect my flow, I'ma say this slow. You might be tempted, but now you know. If you're invited to this movie, please do not go. Uh, Double A-Ron in the house. (laughs) I feel like that says it all in terms of this movie is my opinion. No, I have a lot more to say about this movie. I look forward to getting into the details mm-hmm. uh, to read between the lines and really sort of analyze in a point by point way why and how this movie sucks. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you maybe you feel differently, Nate. Well, um I'm not trying to convince anybody to see this movie because I'm assuming that if you're listening to this, you've seen it. And you are ideally a Star Wars fan, and you probably, listeners, just want to hear my take and and possibly Aaron's take, but possibly both of our takes on this, or maybe you don't want to hear our takes on it. But um, uh, the, but I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you didn't. So it came out in 1999, and I was really excited about it. Of course, so um, was I. Yep. I skipped. I played hooky from work that day to go see it on opening day. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I got to say, when I saw it the first time, I I wasn't sure what I'd seen, but I didn't hate it. Yeah, you had Stockholm <laughs> Syndrome is what it was. You were just, you had been held captive by it, and you had fallen in love with your captor, and you had wanted to love it so much that you were just like, okay, Star Wars is back. <laughs> but I, then the I, reality of the movie set in, didn't it? I think so. I mean... um, I think part of it was uh, it was so different looking than the previous ones um, because of all of the CGI and stuff yeah. that was in it. Um, you know, it was one of those things that like as kids, we were looking forward to find to, to learning the, the story of Darth Vader. Like, how did it all come about? The right. Anakin Skywalker arc and um, and the Clone Wars later. Uh, I'm going to say I've watched this three times in the last two weeks just because I really, yeah, yeah. What have you done to yourself? (laughs) And I feel like I, like in, as I've gotten older, um, I like the prequels more than I did before. Um, but only certain aspects of them. I think the design of them was cool. 
Um, and, and there are a couple things, especially in this movie, that were necessary for some cooler stuff that came later. Darth Maul, for instance, is yeah. like one of the best characters ever. And the fact that they revived him in the Clone Wars and everything, uh, animated series. He's pretty uh, heavy metal. When he yeah. shows up, you're just kind of like, okay, this movie's got at least, he's got something going for it. Yeah. And I mean, it takes till, you know, I think you first briefly, you briefly see him a couple times here and there, but the fight at the end is, is really good, but we'll get to yeah. that later. Um, I think <laughs> having watched it so much, I feel like I probably understand how the Galactic Senate works better than the United States Senate works. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I think I have more of a grasp of that than I do what in reality is. Um, yeah, you really learn about uh, sort of the um, the politics as usual going on in there in that Galactic Senate, and the fact that you know, even you know, in this galaxy far away. There's, they have the same bullshit problems that, that we have with the gridlock and, and senators, you know, sort of prevaricating and equivocating. And, and then you've got this sort of uh, Senator Palpatine character who's, you know, all about uh, undermining the, uh, the gridlock to achieve his own ends and own power. Mm -hmm. he and was, uh, the, he was the, creepily revel, relevant in the, well as i watched this this watched it this time mm -hmm. i mean it's all and i think the the funny thing for like anyone that was like a star wars fan you know going into it originally you knew who he was already i mean we all had the action figure he was, he was emperor palpatine even on the action figure and you're like oh that's him so this story is like more about like a combination of like Anakin's arc, but also Palpatine's arc. Uh, right. Um, you know, the, these three movies. Or actually, Palpatine's arc is the entire six movies. I mean, it should exactly. be. I mean, at this point, the way that they, they did it, um, whether you agree with that. <laughs> yeah, he's in there <laughs> almost decision or not. He's in the series almost as much as C3PO. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, one of the reasons why I wanted to make you watch this was because um, was kind of because we had like a short stint of really being addicted to playing the pod racing game. When yes, we were I in mean, our early twenties. Yes, that was <laughs> around I, the time when the, I believe it was the Nintendo sixty four was the console mm -hmm. of choice. It yep. was like the premier console available, and there was a pod racing game, which I gotta say during the the pod racing sequence which is like 12 minutes long. It's really long. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt it really threw, it really sent me back to down a uh, nostalgia road to when we would play that pod racing game. We really had nothing better to do with our lives at that point, obviously. Because <laughs> we played that game a lot back in the day. Mm. <laughs> I That's the other thing that I think was really cool in this movie was the, the, the pod racing thing. Um, that, But yeah, watching it now, I was like, oh my God, that is like, that's a really, really long sequence. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 12 minutes is long for just a, a race in a movie. Well, you know how now they're just, they're taking various uh, uh, sort of char char characters from the ensemble cast of the Star Wars uh, pantheon and making their own movies and series about the various people. Mm -hmm. I think, and I'm just spitballing here, but I... I would like to see an entire movie that focuses on the backstory of Sebulba, the mm -hmm. enemy pod racer who's like, he's like a gross little critter, but he's also like a pimp. Yes. Like he's got these like blue tentacle ladies rubbing his feet. He's obviously got all this clout. Like I'd like to know more about Sebulba. Yeah. And sort of what he was all about on Tatooine. I'm yeah, just saying if anyone, if any of those Netflix people are listening, there's gold to be mined in them their hills yeah i've like a, like a whole like spin-off series that's almost like nascar yeah but it's just pod racing like right. doing the circuit like uh like like stroke race or something but it's yeah. the star wars universe <laughs> i liked i really liked the um I, I didn't really appreciate this i guess until i watched this time the sort of um the kind of steampunk aesthetic 
of the of the pod racing and of the tinkering around with the machines and using the scavenged parts of these you know jet engines and cobbling mm-hmm. them together for this sort of alternate kind of desert space desert equivalent of a dirt bike race it was mm-hmm. i like that part of it <laughs> there's three main sort of things that i really think were necessary in this movie and uh like the rest of it i could care less about but mm-hmm. i think the pod racing thing was cool because it, it it showed you know as a child the only human that can pod race was this kid that's nine right and because his reflexes are are, are so good because he um, has so many midichlorians in his blood right we can talk about that later <laughs> um, <laughs> um that i think also seeing like the actual like you know a time when there were like a lot of jedi was was a cool thing i remember see, seeing it the first time i was like oh cool like you actually and you also got to see them do things that you never saw like you sort of thought Jedi could do, but like right. the like really fast running things. And um, I think it actually right at the beginning of the movie when Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are on uh, supposed to be ambassadors coming to the Nemoidians. Yeah. Qui-Gon uses his lightsaber to just like jab it and like cut through a door. Melt through a blast. I always shield. wanted to see someone do that. And when that yep. happened, I remember seeing that and I was like, yeah, this is sweet, you know? Yep. Um, yeah, that, uh, so the Jedi, the pod race and Darth Maul are probably the three most important things in this movie. The rest of it, you can just skip through. I feel like. <laughs> so I, I, here's my question for you. Uh-huh. Watching this movie in 2021, I was like, dude, George Lucas could, like, if he made, if he put this movie out today, he'd get straight up fucking canceled in a yeah. New York minute because there, you've got these, the Nemoidians dude. are like this, uh, this stereotypical, have this crazy Asian accent the way they mm-hmm. talk. Yes, the way they talk, and then you've got Jar Jar Binks and and his Gungan people uh-huh. who are like have this like Caribbean island patois, right? And they're represented also as like, are they developmentally disabled? Why do they, you know, what's going on? I mean, they're just weird caricatures, right? Um, I don't know. I just uh... and then uh, not so much in this one, but I think in the um, uh. In the second one, Watto. Oh yeah, Watto. Of course, Watto is like sort of. He's, he's like the merchant of Venice. Money. You know, he's merchant like the Venice of uh, of Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. With it's it's nose, stereotype after stereotype after stereotype. In that, in that, yeah, he's got the big nose. He's all about money. Like, yeah, it was just like, what the fuck is like, like, what were you thinking when you did this? And like the old ones they would have created a totally alien language and had subtitles. Right. Right. Why are they all speaking like um, stereotype uh, accented, like English? Right. I always liked in the old ones where you just, you didn't know what someone was saying, but, but, but another character understood them and you got what they were saying based on their reaction to it. Right. Like Chewbacca or Greedo. Yeah. You know, so I I have a couple questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, am I right in? Did I hear? Okay, so at one point they're on Tatooine and they have freed. They've made the deal with uh, Watto, mm-hmm. where they, his you know they've gotten the best of his greed and they've won the bet against him. Uh, and and now uh, little Anakin is going to be free from slavery to Watto, and mm-hmm. but they're taking him away. But they they have to leave his mother behind. But Qui Gon Jinn has this conversation with Anakin's mother, mm-hmm. and I feel like at one point she said something to the effect of like that he was immaculately conceived. Yes, help me understand what I mean. You, do you know more about this backstory than I do? So that's the, that's that's the theory that like um, he was conceived by the midichlorians, but oh. 
the 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 further uh, like you jump all the way to episode nine mm-hmm. it's actually um i think what is later figured out is that palpatine was able to control midichlorians in such a way to cause the birth of the chosen one so he oh. he has been controlling this whole story the entire time oh, i guess interesting um yeah so that was uh, yeah i think it, it's very much like a christ story up until and until you sort of figure out that like this has all been manipulated by this one baddie mm-hmm. i guess and the introduction of the midichlorians in this movie was like one of i i, I mean I'm, I'm not a gatekeeper on this stuff and i don't like the sort of gatekeeping with with star wars and um all of this i you know it didn't bug me that much but i do understand the problem with like with the first three movies you always felt like you know if you trained hard enough you could become a jedi and this right. sort of made it like, no, you have to have these things in your body to, to be able to do it. But apparently, like, then they've sort of retconned it and said, like, everybody has some in their body. And if mm-hmm. you train hard enough, you, you can. So they didn't really change that. But I don't know. It seems It's weird. not the size of your midichlorians. It's the, the, the way you use them. I guess. <laughs> um. But yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good, uh, good stuff in this. I mean, uh, uh, like also um, just introducing like young Obi-Wan Kenobi, like Ewan McGregor's like a very handsome man um, right. and uh, uh, plays him in, in a really great way that has carried through all of the like, uh additional stuff like the the animated stuff and sort of created a new character with what alec guinness sort of left left behind like he's he's he's, alec guinness was great and then um what um ewan mcgregor did with that character i think made him even more even more cool now who uh, what what more do we know about qui-gon jinn because he, it seemed like he was, like the story, or what, what became revealed was that he was, he had never been invited to be part of the Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. Like he was always an outsider to them. He, like he, evidently he was, he just was kind of had gone rogue. Based on that movie, it seemed like he was a very powerful and capable Jedi, but he constantly sort of skirted the, skirted the rules a little bit yeah which also made it um i think uh, i i think dooku was his his master or something oh i could be making that up but i think that's i think that's true and then you know he became bad and then you know he picks up anakin who then becomes a sith also so i don't know if he was being if he was like a manipulated one or what I don't know. Did you ever hear the theory that Jar Jar Binks was actually like a real was like the real sort of puppet master Sith Lord and that he just um had this sort of like drunken master Shaolin <laughs> style mm-hmm. uh of of wielding the force? Because if you watch him throughout the movie, He's just a bumbling idiot, but he's always like accidentally stepping on the blaster that will like take out the, you know, the person just in the nick of time. And, and like, he has like, there's these little moments where, you know, he's doing all this kind of crazy successful battle stuff, but he's just sort of bumbling along like, Ooh, what's Samisa doing? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I've, I've uh, read some stuff about that. And um, I don't know if George Lucas has ever confirmed that that was actually the original plan mm. or maybe he has. Um, and it, but the character got so much of a backlash from uh, just fanboys uh, when right. the first movie came out that he just kind of, you know, did a 180 and changed what he was going to do with it. 
Yeah. I think that would have been cool, though. If Jar Jar Binks had been a cooler character, maybe. But maybe he would have been cooler oh, when, it was, when he sort of revealed himself as the bad guy. Yeah. You know, like it was all like even the like everything was like a put on kind of like Kaiser Sose in yeah, like, a, yeah, yeah. you know, something like that would have been cool. I don't know. Instead, he's literally being told to shut up and get off screen, like by the yeah. other characters in the by the second movie. Yeah, that was the. I guess that was sort of the beginning of the internet era of movie directors, like hearing more than perhaps they would have cared to hear from their fans and having to respond to it. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, it's a, like I feel like the whole, all not all three, but definitely the the. The very last one, episode nine, mm-hmm. was hugely created, like the storyline and everything, based on what everybody was pissed about previous ones. And it was mm-hmm. just like, let's just like please the fans. And then they still didn't. Yes, this era of people just complaining and, and thinking that they own these properties is why I feel like a lot of these movies unfortunately are not as good as they used to be because you just have this online committee deciding what writers and directors are supposed to be doing with and it's it's really just these big these it's like the the Snyder cut thing with with DC right I mean yeah it's it's better than the other one but why did why did all these people get to decide like I I don't know a movie well, fail like if I I I, I don't know. <laughs> that's the that's the free market man. I guess that's, you know. I guess it ultimately ended up in Lucas, you know, sort of abdicating control over his own series and handing it over after those, you know, episodes one, two, three came out in mm-hmm. you know his prequels, and then the ones that afterwards were better. I thought. I mean, I definitely like a lot of the stuff that has come out since Disney took over. Yeah. And I think, I think Dave Filoni is, is a really good, one of the main reasons why that is, I mean, in the Mandalorian also John Favreau stuff, when you have like people who are, are fans, but not like in such a twisted way that they're, they're just like, no, you can't do this. It's more right. like they know a lot of stuff and they've incorporated in such a way to make it really pretty good storytelling. And like, um, kind of going back to some of the the like original stuff from the uh, uh, like the the original three um, doing more stuff that's not CGI. Right. I think like I think the, I think a lot of movies have gotten like roped into like, let's just do it. You know, now that we have CGI, we can do anything. And like, you know, this movie in particular, I don't know if it was like because I hadn't seen it in so long, but the computer animation in that movie, in this, in episode one is terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. I've yeah. played, I've played video games that look better than that. <laughs> and it like, it, and it's not the backgrounds, the backgrounds and the like cities and stuff like that. And the spaceships that that's passable. But anytime you have a character mm-hmm. that's fully CGI, like Jar Jar, any of the Gungans, animals right. all of that stuff it looked so bad i was i was shocked because i hadn't really watched this one in so long and they're not quite <laughs> moving at the right frame rate yeah. and the cl- the clothes don't i think it's the clothes that is the biggest problem yeah 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 you know because in in like the high definition of everything now like you see like the jedi's robes and stuff it's like oh man that's some really like intricate like cloth and stuff and then jar jar it looks like he's wearing like pleather <laughs> Right. You know, and you're just like, it doesn't look right. You know, I don't know. (laughs) It's, it's ironic to me that the, the series improved once Disney took over Mm -hmm. because really, I mean, I, I was, I kept thinking about what, how much this was, this episode one prequel was like a Disney movie in the sense of like the cheesiness of like, Disney cartoon movies like even to you know the underwater world of the Gungan people was like 
that was like the underwater world of you know the uh little mermaid and stuff and there was just like really cornball stuff and like character and like you know jar jar saying like dumb little lines that'll make little kids laugh like like a squeeze me yeah and then just like randomly stepping in a pile of shit while they're walking around and being like mm. oh that's a grosser like who you know who are you trying to pander to with this anyway yeah, but yeah and, and, excuse me. They, I mean, took these. They they must have looked at George Lucas's movies and been like, "Listen, you're you're trying to make a Disney movie here, and you're giving Disney a bad name. You got to let us take over and try and improve this from here." <laughs> yeah, but, and well, <laughs> now looking back on a lot of stuff, though, like I I agree. He's he's always sort of said like these are kids' movies, mm-hmm. but this one felt so much more so well he did do the ewok adventures also before this Mm. stuff when we were when we were younger and if you watch those now they're they're pretty like what (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah this one there there were so many like goofy things like yes jar jar's little one-liners um like there's like uh there's there's like a I don't even know what kind of creature it is when they're, when they're standing there during the, the getting ready for the pod race, there's some sort of like a, a quadruped sort of uh, like horse sort of type creature that like mm-hmm. farts. farts. Right. Um, and then yeah, there's the why, when, why is that necessary? Yeah. And it, um, the thing there's with Jar Jar, like the thing with Jar Jar using his tongue, like to grab apples out of the thing mm-hmm. and then, yeah, there's a bunch of little silly things. And the funny thing is, I like my kids don't think that stuff's funny. <laughs> right. You know, even when they were little, um, like or even when they were younger. I mean, my son's nine or he's 10, um, but he's seen these movies a lot. He doesn't he doesn't want to watch episode one. <laughs> I was like, do you want to watch this with me? I'm doing it for the podcast. And he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, I don't like that one. I was like, but it's got pod racing in it. And he's like, I'll watch that part. Um, I guess George Lucas must have just really been sort of a victim of his own success in his own head at that point and just thought he could do no wrong and had just been God knows how many years since the original, since with the last one he had put out, Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi. Yeah. And here he is this many decades later and he's just like, huh, I made those movies. I can do no wrong, you mm-hmm. know? And, and now he's just like some old fart that's just putting in you know ridiculous shit in his movies and just yeah. thinking that you know walks on water mm-hmm. and listeners i don't want to like totally shit on this movie because <laughs> i like do I, like i said Aaron does. <laughs> <laughs> because like i said there are there are certain things that without this movie there wouldn't have been cooler stuff that happened later right, i do right. i do feel like there are things that happen there are characters and uh concepts and stuff that happened in this movie that did make things um, progress in a way that I think are positive uh, uh, post, post the prequels. Right. Um, this is like the prep work. This movie was the prep work in the kitchen. The, it was, there's nothing, it's not that fun to watch. Uh-huh. It's, it's like a rough draft. Too. It feels like yeah. a rough draft. It was yeah. like, but really except he had like 30 years to figure it out. <laughs> um. Let's pause for a second to talk about this food. Um, yes, real quick. Now that I can get behind. Yeah, <laughs> tell me, tell tell your listeners about this cookbook. What? It, how did you come into possession of this? So, what? listeners, I I don't remember how I got this cook. I don't remember if somebody got it for me as a gift, or um, or what. But um, so, you know, the Star Wars, uh, uh, Star Wars land at uh, Disney opened a couple of years ago right. and um actually we had been hoping to go there before covid happened mm. so right. who knows when i'll get to go like sit in the millennium falcon and stuff but anyway this cookbook is is uh recipes that are from the restaurants and sort of cantinas that are in the disney park i see so okay. it's called the black spire star wars cookbook and it's supposed to be stuff that's all on Batu. So it's all, it's it's like different, 
recipes from all around the Star Wars galaxy. Um, and, you know, with with these four episodes, I'm going to do a couple different I'm going to do four four recipes and we might do a couple cocktails on on an episode also. Nice. Um, but um, this one, uh, which I pitched Aaron, every Star Wars fan knows the, you know, the line, you half witted, scruffy looking nerf herder. Mm-hmm. And that Princess Leia throws at Han Solo. Um, Begs the, the question, what is a nerf? And what's a nerf? In this cookbook, they have a recipe for Nerf kebabs. Mm-hmm. And I thought that sounded like we should try that. So I looked up what a Nerf is. Yes. It's kind of like a it's kind of like an ox in in the Star Wars sort of universe. Um I th- correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in episode two, that's when Anakin's a teenager, right? Uh-huh. And he's having his romance with mm-hmm. uh queen amidala princess amidala still uh-huh. at the time and they're having their and they're like in some pastoral setting and and he's like charming her by standing on the back of this creature and trying to ride it like rodeo style mm-hmm. i believe that is a nerf i'm not sure if that and i yeah i don't know that's possible I, I like to imagine that's what I was eating when I created okay. this recipe. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so listeners, this is an interesting. This is an interesting recipe. It is a kebab, but uh, which and it involves meat, but it also involves making bread, uh, yeah. which is wrapped around um, the meat, which is in ball form. Um, no vegetables whatsoever in this recipe, which you would normally associate a kebab with, but not this kebab. <laughs> this is a Nerf kebab. That's right. And bread. Uh huh. Um, it is a balls. It's meatballs. Right. Um, did you? You have a choice between. You can use either beef or bison. Mm-hmm. You, I chose you, bison. I chose I ground too. bison. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Nice results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So. So basically, you um, you make some you make a little small batch of bread, basically, or or, or like a, a a yeasted sort of bread. So it's yeah. like it's a half a cup of warm water, uh, one teaspoon of instant dry yeast, a pinch of salt, some sugar, olive oil, and a cup of all-purpose flour. And you just kind of mix that all together in a bowl, um, knead it let for it a little bit, yeah. and let it rise for about an hour. Um. Then you break it into five pieces and kind of roll them out into like about 10 inch long um, noodles, noodles, basically (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, in a separate bowl, uh, combine one pound of beef or bison, a half a cup of Italian breadcrumbs, one egg, half a cup of grated Parmesan cheese. And then Nerf steak seasoning. This is yes. the, this is. The I enjoyed sauce. making the seasoning. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> yeah. And the Nerf steak seasoning um, is just one tablespoon of paprika, one tablespoon of salt, a tablespoon of brown sugar, a tablespoon of ground cumin, a tablespoon of granulated garlic, one teaspoon of pepper, and a teaspoon of dried savory crushed. And you just shake it up together in a little container. And uh, I got to pause you here. Yeah. Did you have access to a spice called savory? I did find it. Yeah. I couldn't find it. Okay. So I did some internet research and they recommended that the best best substitute for savory was uh, thyme. Okay. So I used thyme instead of savory. There you go, listeners. If you can't find savory, which I think is actually like a mix. I think savory is like a, a, it's a combination of a couple different things thyme marjoram some other stuff yeah in a pinch you can use thyme instead of uh this savory mixture if you have a hard time finding it so you put three tablespoons of that into the uh meat mixture mix that all up make 15 meatballs out of that mixture take your skewer you will slide one end of the uh dough of, of one of your dough ropes, uh, slide one end down, then put a meatball on 
then kind of twist the 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 bread rope and uh, stab it again. Put a yeah. second meatball on. You're kind of snaking the dough around three meatballs, basically. It makes it look very sci-fi. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So you, so once you get you know three meatballs on each of these skewers with the um with the the dough kind of snaking through it. You let that sit for a little while and let that rise again. 20 minutes, maybe, mm-hmm. I think is adequate. And then uh, then you're going to bake that in an oven, a 375 degree oven on some parchment paper uh, for, what, 20 15 minutes? 15 minutes, 20. 15, yeah. 20 minutes. You pull it out, sprinkle a little uh, cheddar cheese on top of that and put it back in for like a minute or two to melt that up. And yep. that's a that's a Nerf kebab. Now, listeners, I'll tell you, we made our Nerf respective Nerf kebab batches and we we photographed them and sent pictures to each other. I got to say, I I got to I got to confess, if we were contestants on a cooking show, uh Nate would get the golden chef's hat for sure. I don't know what you how you got your I'll post your, them side by side on, on so nicely. Yeah, mine are just sort of I don't know. Uh, I mean, they taste good, mm-hmm. uh, but you've got, um, you really have the artistic touch on these. I, I tip my hat to you. And you served them with a side of something there. What is that? Scrambled oh, eggs? No, I wanted to, I, I wanted something. I, I probably should have had some sort of green vegetable, but um, right. I, I made sort of fiber. like, a, <laughs> I made, um, I boiled some, some yellow potatoes. Okay. Um, the whole drained them. Yeah. Threw a little uh, salt and um, olive oil and champagne vinegar with some dill and some shallots in there and kind of mashed them up, like mm-hmm. broke them up. Didn't mash them like mashed potatoes, but just kind of broke them up. It's like a potato salad. So it's, and then, and then let it cool. Yeah. So it's like a, sort of like a busted up potato salad. It's like picnic food. I felt like kebabs like this felt like, um, you know, like block party slash picnic food. Yeah. Or I, or, or sitting next to, you know, the lake on Naboo kind of food (laughs) with your, you know, with your your girlfriend, girlfriend. and the nerfs wandering around in herds in the fields behind you. Totally. (laughs) I had the way my dinner worked out was I, I made these, um, and and so the so my wife was sort of observing what was going on as I was making these, and the kids are really picky eaters. So while yeah. I was making these, unbeknownst to me, she had ordered Indian food. <laughs> <laughs> so around uh, maybe fifteen minutes before these came out of the oven, like Indian carryout arrived, and and they all just ate that. And so my Nerf kebabs came out. And no one had the slightest interest in them. So I, I ate one of the Nerf kebabs and the other four are now in the refrigerator. So, but so they're good. I'm going to, I'm going to eat them. I'll have them for lunch all week. Yeah. Anyway. Was, so I was kind of privately, fan. I was pleased by that. I was just like, well, fine. More Nerf kebabs for me this week. That's right. Like, I, I think the recipe could be nicely enhanced by perhaps a dipping sauce. Yeah. One of the things in the, uh, in the cookbook for some of the other things is there's a thing called emulsa sauce. Okay. Okay. Which is basically like a, you know, like a remoulade. Yes. Kind of thing. Okay. Uh, that might be a good one. So perhaps next time you make your Nerf kebabs, use the emulsa sauce with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to bite into this because I you've eaten one already. Ah, you're going to eat yours live on the air. How great yeah. is that? Ah, right. listeners, he's showing the Nerf kebab. On the screen, it is beautifully symmetrical, nicely designed. It has a very sci-fi, modernist sort of aesthetic to it. He's biting into the meatball. Oh, you can hear the crunch. He's getting a little of the bread mm. on there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. That Nerf sauce, is uh, it's got a big tablespoon of brown sugar in it. Oh, yeah, I, I guess it does true. wonders. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the bread's sweet this. too. It's got a tablespoon of sugar in the in that little bread roll. I could totally eat this. Like I could, I would definitely make this again. This is yeah. totally like a neighborhood block party kind of food. Exactly. 
It's no, like, I'm, you know, meat on a stick. Yep. Why not? I think you could, and it, what a great, what a great uh, conversation starter too, right? Mm -hmm. You show up at a block party with that and people are like, wow, this is novel. I've never seen one of these, but what is this? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a Nerf kebab. Perhaps you're familiar with uh, the planet Naboo. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, these are good. Um, I know. Wow. I'm excited to make some more stuff out of this cookbook. Yeah, they definitely did not lead you astray with this recipe. Aaron and listeners. Yeah. I have planned to... Not a spoiler, but... For one of the episodes, alligator is involved. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, there's a recipe that has alligator in it. So are you going to give a teaser here about what some of the other recipes coming up? Obviously, listeners know mm -hmm. that you're going to watch now. I'm doing one movie from each era. Oh, so okay. Aaron and I did episode one. Okay. We'll be having uh, another former guest returning for the next episode. We will be doing solo star wars story oh okay so that that, mm -hmm. that there's those side movies that counts as that category i'm like counting Rogue it. one yeah solo and mm -hmm. there was i think it's just one. those two so far oh, okay okay um we will be doing i will be doing uh return of the jedi with another okay. guest nice um and then i will be finishing it off with the last jedi Mm, right, um, right. Which is episode eight. Are you gonna uh, are you gonna tease the recipes here? Or oh, I yes, guess you yes. mentioned that you're gonna do co cocktail some cocktails at some point. Yes. So um, when we do solo, gonna have a vegan vegan recipe um, okay. called Parwan Nutra Cakes. Oh, okay. This is a sounds like a, survival food. It is a um, a favorite of bounty hunters. That are you know right. going from place to place. Apparently, you can stick it in your jetpack and just take yeah. off. Yeah, <laughs> it keeps real well and yeah, okay. Totally. Um, Shelf life. Uh, I think for a Return of the Jedi, we're going to have one of Jabba's favorite dishes, Hutti's slime pods. Oh, I'm just going to say that's what it's called, and I'm not going to even say anything else. Good, good. Okay. Um, I'll tune in for that. I think we'll probably have a, a cocktail that day also. Um, nice. looking, looking at a cocktail called a Blurg Fire. Mmm. So, uh, yeah. Um, and, then, uh, and then the final one, like I was saying, is going to involve alligator. But I'm... Alligator. Um, uh, it's a, You're giving yourself some time to secure that. Yep. Do you think you'd make this recipe again? Could you convince your kids to eat this? I want... Yeah, I think... I think if they tasted it, they would just be like, whoa, this I is agree. on point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to hold on to that recipe. It's in my phone now. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, yeah, this will be a go-to for me. Nerf kebabs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if no one else eats them, I'll just, they look like they'll keep well for, you know, for the week. And I'll just, I'll have a Nerf kebab a day. I'll put it in my little lunch pail when I go to work. Hopefully. You have a lunch pail. Is this like a Star Wars lunch pail? <laughs> That's what, I got to get a Star Wars lunchbox now. Yeah, exactly. What else do you want to, what else would you like to say about this, this movie? How, like, were you, like, I feel like I was so excited when I went in. Yep. And when that first burst of like, da -da -da, yep. I like got this, my heart stopped for a second. And I was like, Oh my yeah. God, it's happening again. Yeah. You know, well, um, everybody in the theater is cheering. Yeah. Yeah, it was a real moment of, uh, it was like, you you remember it well, don't you? Because it was a life moment. It's something <laughs> that you put a lot of like personal stock in. Because this is, look, we're, we're in our, you know, mid, late 40s. This is our life story, man. Uh -huh. Those first movies came out when we were at an impressionable young age. And they sort of formed our, you know, child's minds and we played with the action figures and they became part of our mythology it's like a religion for us mm -hmm. um i mean these are the sort of saints and devils that we grew up with that we understood you know in much more immediate ways many of us than the bible mm -hmm. and so 
I don't think it's going too far to say it was like a quasi-religious experience to make this pilgrimage to the movie theater after this many years for this event. And because you're faithful to your religion, you walk out of the theater exhilarated, even if you were like what you were handed during the previous two hours was the cinematic equivalent of like a steaming pile of Nerf dung. <laughs> you appreciate it nonetheless uh -huh. because you've been given, you know, you're, you've been spiritually nourished with a deeper understanding and more context and now a wider understanding of your, this mythology that frames your life. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have definitely imposed this, uh, uh, this mythology on my children yeah um in the same way that one might their religion and with all of the the things that have sprouted out of it in different directions in the same way that like uh people take what they want to from re their religion mm -hmm. uh, you take what you want to from star wars i mean i look you know <laughs> i would have hated myself if i didn't see it you know what i'm saying yeah. And look, I was I, I spent a lot of this episode busting on this movie. But <laughs> look, I I said I did I didn't have to watch it again. I remember the movie, mm -hmm. but I was kind of like, okay, this is an excuse to watch it again. And um, you know, there's there are beautiful moments in that in that uh Phantom Menace movie where you just you're just rewarded in in these very deep ways if you're a Star Wars fan. Like when the first the first time R2D2 shows up. Totally. And they're like, wow, that droid really knows how to fix a spaceship. And then, you know, lo and behold, he was gonna be, you know, so important. And you learn these little things like um this little steampunk tinkerer, Anakin Skywalker, is the one who built C3PO. Yeah. Right. And so you all of these sort of Everyone, a little bit more of everybody's backstory sort of, you know, gets revealed in, in this movie and the other ones in the prequel. And so, you know, you take the good with the bad. Like I said, I watched it three times in the last couple of weeks, which is probably I really probably didn't need to do that. But um, I was trying to I don't know if I was trying to convince myself that it was it was good um, or um, just just trying to trying to uh change my perception on on certain things but i think it's still the 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 same things that bugged me about it originally still bug me now but there are there are certain things that i feel like grew on me that i didn't really appreciate the first time around i don't mind the kid i think the kid's yeah. okay <laughs> i don't blame i don't part of it is like i don't blame any of the actors for any of the stuff that drove me crazy in that movie because okay. they did what george lucas asked them to do so it's all on him right anything right. that was like annoying in it it's just it's his fault um because he he created it and it's all it's his universe and it was his movie um but at the same time, like, I really appreciate that he created that universe that I can be so invested in that I can be pissed that he did something I didn't like about it. Yeah. What, a, you know? what, an, what an ultimate compliment to his previous work. Like you were saying, it's something that we grew up with in our formative years. This is our our thing, and like it's like, why would he, why would he mess up my thing? And mm -hmm. you know, and as an as as an adult, realizing it's not my thing, it's his thing, mm -hmm. and um, I'm just here, I'm I'm here for the ride. And but now, but the thing is, now it isn't just his thing because now it really is just this sort of cultural universe that you know is now going to get to get passed around to different creative showrunners and directors and editors mm -hmm. um and i really i mean look the when the mandalorian came out it was like all of a sudden you realize like now there can be star wars tv series yes which is what we all love to watch now anyway instead of movies yeah so it's look whether or not the you know the official final movie of the Star Wars saga series has come and gone, but 
I don't, you know, it's only a matter of months now before the, you know, the next, the sort of the next Star Wars TV series comes out that they gave the teaser for after the last episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be, yeah, lots of that stuff on Disney Plus now Mm -hmm. that uh, that's that's basically the way that you watch Star Wars is on, you know, an, an app on your TV now. Um, I will tune in for every single one of them yeah, me with too. the same <laughs> level of excitement that I tuned, that I sat down in the theater for episode one. Absolutely. And, and whether I'm, it ends up, you know, disappointing or thrilling me, I'll be back again when the next one comes out. Yeah. They they'll take my money and it's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll enjoy it. And I'm, you know, I, I love all of it. Even when I don't love it, I still love it. It's fine. <laughs> Amen. Um, well, I think we've accomplished what we set out to accomplish. I think we, we did. gave a, a a very culturally astute and thoroughgoing analysis of Phantom Menace episode one, mm-hmm. and we got to rave about how delicious Nerf kebabs are. I think the real winner of this episode is the Nerf kebab. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Four listeners, stars. that is that. I mean, I'm not going to tell you to go watch episode one again unless you really want to. Um, uh, I mean, I think you should and give it, give it a little bit of a try, but I do think you should definitely make these Nerf kebabs because they're really good. It's true. (laughs) Yeah. And until you can, until you can go to Disneyland to the star Wars place, the only way to make them is at home. And it's probably a lot cheaper to do it in your house anyway. (laughs) Nate, I, ha- I, I salute you for, uh, for this endeavor. I want to congratulate you on your uh, success of your evolving podcast. I've uh, en- listened and enjoyed uh, sort of um, getting to witness you uh, come into your own as a host. Uh, and uh, you've, had some, you've had some great guests and some great conversations. And now you're, you're creating these sort of sidebar mini seasons within your podcast i expect more good things from you and if you know if you if you give me if you deliver an episode that disappoints me you know i you know how i feel about you my criticism will be unsparing i I hope so and i appreciate all of i appreciate everything that you you've said you're a true professional in this medium (laughs) um all right well with that listeners um make some nerf kebabs and um may the force be with you may the force be with you and there we have it episode one phantom menace out of the way uh be sure to listen next week uh when my guest will be danny stanger and we will be covering solo a star wars story one of my absolute favorites of uh the new era of star wars um Be sure to go to Dinner with Nate on Instagram for recipes, updates, and photos. Please leave me a review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. As always, I am your host, Nate Flansberg, and this was Dinner with Nate. Thanks for listening, and have a wonderful Star Wars day.